we must be among the very few people who care about this particular fact. But me. Well, we've got hey, a, um, a long drum roll. We've got a few months to wait yet, but... <laughs> it's a long drum roll. Yeah. <laughs> and welcome to Slitterpod episode 81, which 81. is the best episode to do a solo episode. It's just you and me today, Esther. It is. Yes, that's great. <laughs> It's a proud moment in the history of Slater. We published after months of hard work, our video localization report yesterday. How does it feel? Yes. Uh, feels good, yeah. I'm looking forward to talking about it. Uh, and yeah, running, running a briefing and yeah, seeing what people think. Absolutely, this was one of the, uh, for me, it was one of the most anticipated reports we've done in a while. Uh, I mean, obviously mm. the market report is huge, but this one, um, <laughs> such a complicated field. We've been working on this for a, a, a long time. Like initially, I think we thought about a year ago, we're gonna do a kind of a follow-up to the media localization report, but then we yeah. felt it was a little bit too narrow. So we started thinking about other ways to cover the space. And I think now we've come up with a, with a fantastic framework, which you're gonna share with us in a second. Um, and other than video log, we're gonna talk about TransPerfect's blowout quarter. These guys just, uh, you know, keep growing. And we localized, tripled down on life sciences and, and medtech with, with an acquisition in Germany slash Greece. But first, first, Esther, we want to know yeah. about video localization. So are we talking about YouTube subtitles or w what's the video in video localization? What's the scope of this whole thing? Yeah. It's a really good question. I think it's one that obviously everyone's keen to know. Uh, you mentioned their media localization, which we do cover, um, you know, in some depth in the report. But I mean, I think we are taking somewhat of a new angle on it, trying to draw together some different applications of video because, you know, we're using video in pretty much all walks of life. It's become ubiquitous across, you know, lots of different sectors, etc. Um, but I mean, I think if you take the case of Slatercon, so, you know, we've got Slatercon coming up in September, for example. We uh, have Slatercon we coming have up. We have our event. Uh, last time, I think it was last time, we had, it's a live event, you know, got participants from across the industry, great, fantastic, et cetera. Um, but last time I think we had, uh, we had um, AI Media, wasn't it, who was providing captioning. I think that was the first one. Might have been the the, the one before. Last I think year. it was the one before. No, not last yeah. year, but then um, well, maybe late last year. Anyway, we had AI anyway, media doing. doing we had the, yeah. So I mean, in terms of making that event accessible to everybody, our our participants, um, you know, both during the event, so the people who can actually join live um, on the hop in video platform, conferencing platform. Um, you might want to make it accessible to people during the event, but then equally after the event. So we record the sessions uh, and we can make them available on demand to, you know, whoever wants to download, log in, access them, etc. Um, I mean, there's a couple of ways of doing that. So like I said, during the event, if you're wanting to add language capabilities, uh, one way of doing that would be to have remote simultaneous interpreting. That's one of the kind of services and, and, and niches that we look at in the report. Um, so and the be, other way. So just to, that would be the Kudo, the Interprefy, the Interactio. Yeah, and a ton more. RSA. Qua, yeah. Qua, yeah, yeah, Pexip, a whole ton of them. Um, yeah, so one way would be to add the, the interpreting, so the kind of audio element, um, speech-based translation, you know, if you want to call it that. Um, 
And then the other way would be to add live translated captions. Um, and we've spoken a little bit about this live translated captions uh, or live translated captioning uh, on this podcast previously. Um, you know, we were discussing, I think, different platforms not necessarily always having multilingual options or some only doing same language um, live captioning, but there are providers out there like AI Media, like Verbit, like, you know, a number of other ones that will do live translated captions. So they will put your put your words on the screen, caption them live um, into you know whatever languages you want. So that's that's sort of the one element of of what the report focuses on is the kind of live element, live events, meetings, um, and the other dimension is what happens after. So the the pre recorded. Um, so after our after our Slatercon event has been recorded, like I said, we might want to upload it somewhere, make it make the video accessible. Um, available and accessible so we could choose for example to add subtitles to those videos in different languages we could choose to dub or more likely um, put voiceover to the videos also in multiple languages so that kind of is somewhat the core of the video localization report um, but obviously within that we're looking at the services on the one on the one hand, so the services of RSI, live translated captioning, subtitling, dubbing, and voiceover. Um, but then we're also looking at their application across a number of different areas, specifically meetings and events. Um, then also media and entertainment. So that's the sort of media localization piece. Um, and then also training and education. Um, so it. these we think are kind of the primary markets, primary areas of application and, and demand really for those um, language related um, audiovisual services. So what he walked us through now was basically the meetings and events part here, yeah. right? And and it was a, it's, a, it's a great example it, in terms of like the services that we would have considered or that we considered for this particular report, because it's always challenging. Where do you, where do you draw the line, right? Yeah. If we focus, if you focus solely on what historically has been known as media localization, right? You, you'd probably you'd only do subtitling and dubbing, like like feature maybe access, film, but yeah, maybe some, yeah, but the, probably. But media localization in my head would just be subtitling and dubbing, and that's mm -hmm. kind of historically the separate industry, etc. Mm. But I think this is all starting to converge, and I think it would have been too narrow to just go and hey, here is Hollywood studios that are buying dubbing services from yeah. the traditional dubbing providers. Well, right? I think and I think. The market itself is is expanding, um, yeah. you know, and I think, it, it, like you say, it's pretty narrow to focus solely on media localization, even though it is, you know, an established and bona fide niche um, in and of itself. Um, however, so, I think when yeah. you start to introduce the element of corporate video localization, um, video for communication in business, whether that's recorded messages or whether it's, uh, you know, setting up a spinning up a Zoom meeting to discuss with employees. Um, all of that is kind of incorporated um, into, yeah, this convergence uh, and really what we're trying to unpack with the report. Also, when you look at it from an outsider's point of view, let's say I meet somebody and I try to mm. explain to them, uh, like somebody who's not in the industry remotely, you know, but who's smart. I mean, if you try to explain to somebody like that, that, okay, hang on, there is companies that do the subtitling for 
a feature film, but then there's a completely different company that doesn't consider itself in the same space that would live caption a conference. And they hang on, and then there's another company that's doing, and that also considers itself to be in a completely different part of the industry mm. that's doing the remote simultaneous interpreting. That person would be like, what do you mean? Like, seems kind of all the same-ish type of mm. service, right? I, now, I think it depends, though, because I think... Uh, on the one hand, these are kind of B2C services because there are, you know, there are end users and end consumers of subtitling, dubbing, etc. But then on the other hand, you have the companies and you've got the buyers who are actually ordering or, or facilitating these services to be used. I think, you know, we've spoken many times about, for example, in media localization, the specific requirements and challenges that some of the Hollywood studios or, you know, the streaming giants might have and how that's different. That will be in turn, very different from, you know, a, a, a mid-sized business that wants to subtitle or provide voiceover for, for some kind of e-learning project that that it's doing. Um, That's it. Yeah. But the company that we're going to talk about after this, TransPerfect, I mean, they're basically mm. saying, well, you know what? We do clinical translation. We do, we do dubbing. We have a few studios, right? And mm. if you come to us for um, e-learning, subtitling, happy to do that too. And the voiceover, we'll throw yeah. that in as well. So I guess... Um, there are now large, large super agency players that are going across all of these elements, right? Sure. And so yeah. I'm kind of like refuting my earlier point that, um, that uh, yeah, those, those are all only in their niches. But then again, those individual niches are all, mm. I mean, some of these companies wouldn't consider going into these other services, which from a naive outsider's point of view, you'd consider to be some, I mean, very much- yeah in the same line, right? So mm. let's tie this back. So not sure if we already mentioned the size of the market. So it's, uh, what did it come up for the, for the entire yeah, size so of this market, all, that, how we're carving it out? Yeah, absolutely. So it, it's almost uh, 5 billion in 2021, $5 billion. So $4.97 billion uh, in 2021. Um, and that is the market that we've, that we kind of carved out was, like I said, media entertainment, training and education, meetings and events. And the and services those, and were... And specifically those services, which are yeah. audio, visual, so dubbing, subtitling, voiceover, live translated captioning, and RSI. Fantastic. So, and that would be roughly 20% of the entire language industry, which in my view makes a lot of sense. And you mm. see that it's a, a very, very large, but also very, very complex market. That's why you probably haven't seen until very recently players that are taking on the entire pie because it's technically, it's it's tricky from a linguist point of view. It's very tricky. I mean, a, you know, uh, an interpreter that can do remote simultaneous interpreting very, very different from the uh, the re-speaker for live captioning. Mm -hmm. Remember when we had AI media? I mean, basically it was re-spoken. So somebody would yeah. speak and uh, and re-speak what, what you're saying in, and because the system is very much trained to their voice, uh, the, the live captioning would be would be extremely good, right? And then obviously yeah. uh, dubbing actors and, and subtitlers is a completely different um, kind of set of, of, of uh, linguistic uh, professionals again. So yeah. Uh, very, very interesting, very large market, very 
um, I mean, I, I would growing. also just make the point that, I mean, it, it's very much a market that's in flux. So, you know, on the one hand, you can talk about the niches. You can talk about people who are doing more than one or multi multiple of these services in multiple um, areas. Uh, but I think it, it is changing and it is shifting. And, and, and likewise, there's a massive influx of, you know, tech startups, yes. some of which we've had on this podcast that are either focusing on subtitling or machine dubbing. Um, so, you know, we do actually we do also look at uh, some of the research, the intense research that's happening um, within, uh, well, ASR and machine translation, but really as they pertain to video use cases, um, but then also things like machine dubbing, um, speech, speech to speech, speech, speech to text, text to speech, um, and, and try and unpack some of the ways that they're being, these technologies are being adopted and advanced uh, by industry participants as well. So we, we do cover some of the tech players as well in there, the, mm -hmm. the younger startup yeah. ones. Yeah. But it's incredibly fast moving. And I think this is one of the reasons that, uh, you know, the report maybe took longer to write than, than others, because you put it down for a week and then suddenly something's changed. Um, so I think this really is trying to draw a boundary or delineate a market as we see it now and kind of point to some of the drivers, some of the trends and, and some of what we see happening um, going forward. Yeah, but I think it's great that we published it now and not a year ago because I yeah. think there's a lot of stuff that happened over the past year that was, um, I mean, especially in like the speech recognition, the synthetic mm. voice, which, you know, I've said many times now, I find one of the most fascinating um, parts of this this whole game here. So, I mean, I think a year ago they were at a very different point and there's been a lot happening in terms of tech. I mean, we had Synthesia on the podcast. This wasn't mm. really that productized a year ago. So now it is, and now it's just gonna, it's just going to increase, but it's 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 here now, right? So mm. it's uh, it's great we, we had them in. Uh, look, fantastic. Uh, we, uh, we're gonna have a video localization panel also at Slatercon Remote, right? Mm -hmm. Which we're now putting together. So join us there as well. And of course, go download the report or if you want to get access to literally every single report we've ever written, get one of those strategy packages and, uh, you know, <laughs> drown in PDFs, <laughs> drown in what's now like a library of language industry research. Uh, at some point, we should figure out how to make it a little more video, selective in terms of access. It. <laughs> video it. Uh, yeah, we should do that. But then uh, we'll, be, we'll be there tweaking some of these. Uh, <laughs> maybe I'll subscribe to some more SAS instead of instead of getting focused on, on, on doing the service. All right, um, enough of the rambling. We shall move to New York, to a company that's doing translation in a perfect way. No, transperfect. Um, second quarter results. Said many times, thanks guys for publishing this. You're a private company. You don't need to do that. That said though, if I could announce, you know, 20, 30% revenue growth every quarter, why not? It's a great press release. So, um, uh, so yeah, as long as they keep growing at that, at that pace, you know, if I was the CEO, if I was full, I'd probably put out a press release on that each quarter as well. So this, this quarter, 20, um, uh, 2021 second quarter, $276 million in revenue. 67. Uh, 67, sorry. 267. <laughs> That's one quarter. That's one quarter, people. Uh, it's up 35%. $70 million from the previous year. And again, that's just one quarter. So they're adding, they're growing the equivalent of one of the larger LSPs in a single quarter, like compared yeah. to the year before. First half revenue, 2021, just shy of half a billion dollars, 498. So that's an increase of 28% from 2020. That's that, those are, year. 
Yeah, yeah that, those are amazing figures. And mm-hmm. uh, since TransPerfect really is cross-vertical, cross-service, cross-everything, it's it kind of speaks to the fact of um, that this industry is experiencing strong uh, growth in all or in many, many areas, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and I think it was virtually art organic. They they bought a couple of companies called, one, one was called Polford in Spain and one was called in Poland Skill Intelligence. I think Skill Intelligence. Pol- a skill intelligence, yes. Uh, sorry, Polford was studio facilities uh, for mm-hmm. MediaLock, and then skill intelligence. Yeah. yeah, was it adds crowdsources data collection support for their data for AI vision data force. So, uh, but I think most of them. Hang on, uh, Phil said only minimal amount of revenue was recognized from them in, in Q2. So who knows? Maybe uh, depending on the size of this company in Q3 is, is a little bigger. Mm. Um, more broadly, uh, Phil Shaw, the CEO, said this quarter saw a significant broad-based increase in spending and investment from all our clients across all industries, right? I mean, that yeah speaks to what we said before. I mean, booming, jobs index at all-time high, uh, mm. trends perfect, uh, going to the you know mid, mid-20% growth, tech selling super strong. They said perhaps our largest dollar volume increase in technology sales in the firm's history. Um, and especially from customers who are first-time TMS buyers. So sometimes people forget that TransPerfect's also probably among the top three TMSs in the world, just pure mm. tech, mm. Um, not, not, just, uh, not just the services side, but pure tech, so that's going well. And then uh, Dataforce, which is their data for AI. Uh, so they're selling to the big tech companies, but also going further down the food chain with you know, some of the smaller, I mean, still large enterprises, but you know, probably like 1,000, 5,000, these types of companies that are trying to launch or that are, that are leveraging uh, machine learning to optimize some of their processes. Um, and, you know, they need data. So that's where uh, Dataforce from TransPerfect comes in, but also a bunch of other competitors there. Mm. And uh, to close on this, so a billion dollar, I mean, they're going to make that unless something... Um, I don't know, catastrophic happened. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're usually stronger in the second half. So yeah, there you go, mm. a billion dollar. And let's see if uh, RWS doesn't doesn't go and, and buy, I don't know, one of the super agencies. They're, you know, it's going to be head to head. So um, Phil used to compete for leadership there with, uh, with Lionbridge and now he's competing with RWS. Let's see who comes first. Drum roll. Well, we've got hey, a, it's um, a long drum roll. We've got a few months to wait yet, but <laughs> it's a long drum roll. Yeah. <laughs> Although our RWS reports in September, so we'll, we'll see slightly earlier than. Uh, well, sorry, no, they don't report in September, but their their annual uh, financial year ends in September, so we'll know for them go. before Transpathic. Hey, my drum rolls just got short, so. Nah. <laughs> um, we must be among the very few people who care about this particular fact, but the Maybe. T- particular trivia, um, other than the TransPerfect and RWS uh, PR department. All right, uh, moving on. Uh, yeah, Ish. shareholders probably care care more about the the EBITDA, what's coming um, at uh, down down in the bottom line, right? Cool. So we localized, acquired. NLG, a roughly $25 million Germany-based but Greece-operated LSP in the medical device space. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we, we spoke to Smith Ewell, the CEO of We Localize. He said that this was like one of the, fir- well, it was the first 
M&A process that was virtually uh, like 100% virtual without meeting the company's founders or owners face-to-face. This is the new normal. You're doing this over Zoom. And I mean, we'll, we localize. How many acquisitions have they done? A bunch, right? It's a today. lot. I think it's, yeah, nearly 20. 19, wow. I think this was their 19th. And this is the, they have already acquired a couple other life sciences companies, right? So this is the, the second, the third? I think it's the third they've done in the life sciences space. All right. Yes. What's the so so they're becoming a big player now with this one? And uh, mm. what's the total yeah, size I mean, of their it's, life it's, sciences? It's pretty business? interesting because they were saying, uh, I mean, obviously they're not required to disclose exactly how much they have of revenues in each across each vertical. But um, we locally said that they this acquisition basically sees them expand their life sciences business to around fifty million annually, uh, fifty million in wow. revenues, and roughly half of that would come from. Um, NLG. So, and so NLG, mm. yeah, NLG was mostly on the um, the medical, medical device, devices. yeah, mm. and and I think we localizes uh, existing life sciences businesses more kind of on the CRO, like the clinical research organization, the clinical side. So that's a nice oh, complementary. Yeah. Um, and so NLG's co-owners, Costas Kravas and Michael Utley, uh, Kravas being based in Thessaloniki in Greece which uh, is, uh, I think, also where most of the company staff is at and at least mm. based in Germany, where the company is officially headquartered, right? They they did not, as, as usual, not disclose how much they paid. Um, but in terms of the financing for deals like that, uh, as we localize CEO, you'll, he pointed out that, uh, you know, some of these super agencies now have a lot of financial firepower. I mean, you can, you can fund acquisitions uh, via debt. It's very cheap to to. Uh, I mean, the debt funding is still extremely cheap at the moment, right? So it's it's easy to fund uh, a lot of these deals via via debt. That's great. And technology, NLG has like a client review portal where clients can interact with the final product in context. It's probably for mm. all these kind of complicated manuals, PDF, InDesign type of uh, manuals that you want to see pretty in interesting, context. I think that's it is. Yeah, yeah, the layouting and everything. Layouting, especially like when you have like these in-country reviewers, I vaguely remember this being a big problem. Like you would have to yes. send them like a PDF, they mark it up, they send it back and blah, blah, blah. I mean, if you have mm. like an like a in-context review tool, that's that's quite powerful. Uh, they'll move NLG off of Plunet, which is their current TMS, into uh, WeLocalize's um, quite powerful ERP type of... Um, TMS-like system called Pantheon, which mm. they rolled out over the past uh, two to three years, and 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 it's it's uh, they they have the entire company on it now. A lot of the previous acquisitions are now consolidated onto that Pantheon uh, tool. Um, it's actually it's quite powerful, and for a company that's that's based on you know we said almost twenty acquisitions, it's a key challenge to get them all onto the same platform because sure. otherwise, yeah. and I've used this metaphor a hundred times now, you get this kind of Frankenstein of like 70 TMS and, and 50 CAT tools. But they're um, at least on the ERP TMS side, it's it's now on that we localize Pantheon. Uh, they're going to rebrand it eventually to We Localize Life, um, Life Sciences, yeah. I believe. Um, so goodbye NLG over time. And and that's that. I mean, we also spoke kind of go go read the article broadly about industry outlook. Uh, you know, Smith talked about how resilient they were during the pandemic. That you know he sees the localization business as kind of a keeps keep keep the lights on industry uh, that facilitates essential communication. We we've seen that it's robust, it's resilient, yeah. and uh, and now uh, it's booming. All right. Well, Esther, that was a 
great solo episode. <laughs> Very good. We uh, shall have a guest on next week. And Sounds until good. then, have a great weekend and um, talk to you soon. See you soon. <laughs>